Hey friends, so good to be with you today. If you're joining us online for the first time or you're listening to the podcast for the first time, special welcome to you. My name is Jason Wolliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroads and so glad that you have joined us. Today, we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. If you want to pull that up on your phone or open to that in your Bible, Luke 1, 26 through 38. But let me pray before we jump in. God, I pray that you would just open your word to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in every heart of anyone listening or watching, no matter when they are listening or watching, and speak to me and through me as I try to share your word with people you love. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last two weeks, we've been looking at the second coming of Christ. Very important to look at that during the Advent season. And we've learned that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. And we need to get ready, stay ready, and help everyone we know, everyone we can, get ready as well. In fact, the reason that Jesus is delaying his return is to give you and me more time to repent ourselves if we need to, and more time to reach those who don't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And today, we're shifting to preparing to celebrate the first coming of Jesus on Christmas 2,000-some years ago. And so we're going to be looking at my all-time favorite Christmas story. This is the story of the Annunciation which means announcement. This is the announcement that Mary received from the angel Gabriel that she would become the mother of the Messiah. So let's walk through this. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the story starts out with the words in the sixth month. The sixth month of what? Well, this is referring back to what has happened in the previous section of Scripture. There we read that the angel Gabriel went and appeared to an elderly priest named Zechariah one day as he was serving in the temple. And Gabriel announced to Zechariah that his elderly wife, Elizabeth, who had never been able to have children, was going to become miraculously pregnant in her old age with the one who would be the forerunner who would prepare the way for the arrival of the Messiah. And of course, Gabriel was talking about John the Baptist. And so now, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. She is pregnant with John. And so now, we see that Gabriel is sent to another location, couldn't be more different than the temple in Jerusalem, sent to a very rural location in a town called Nazareth in northern Israel, a region called Galilee. And he goes there to visit a young woman named Mary, who's betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, this ancient custom of betrothal was similar to what we know as getting engaged, but it was much more legally binding. 
when someone was betrothed to someone, they were already referred to as husband and wife, but they weren't yet living together or sharing sexual intimacy with one another. That wouldn't happen until the official wedding. Nevertheless, this is a very binding thing that can only be broken through a legal divorce. And so she is probably around 14 or 15 years old at this time. And this is the age of my two youngest daughters. So this seems very young by our standards, but it would have been common in those days. The most common practice was for younger women to be engaged to uh, men that were a little older, had already established themselves in a trade or a career, and could take on the responsibility of a wife. And what we know from other places is that Joseph was established as a carpenter at this time, and he was ready to be married. Now, Gabriel is not your ordinary angel. The scriptures suggest that there are millions of angels, but there are only three mentioned by name in the Bible. The first one is Michael, and then there's Gabriel, and the other one is Lucifer, also known as Satan, who was a very high-ranking angel that rebelled against God and led many other angels in rebellion against God, and they became what we know as evil spirits or demons. But Gabriel is mentioned also in the Old Testament book of Daniel, written hundreds of years before this event. And in that um, text, he appears to Daniel to explain to him a vision that Daniel has had. And he has the appearance of a man. And so, as he appears to Mary, he might have the appearance of a human male. Now, it says in other passages about angels in the New Testament that angels appeared as men, and they were often robed in dazzling white. So, although it doesn't say that, I picture Gabriel appearing to young Mary, robed in dazzling white, looking like a man in dazzling white. And it says, he appears to Mary one day and says, Greeting, highly favored one, God is with you. Now, it says she's greatly disturbed at this event and this greeting, wondering what on earth is going on. Understandable. I would be freaked out if this kind of thing happened to me. I hope my daughters, who would have been Mary's age, I hope they would be freaked out if this kind of thing happened. I actually hope they would run if some strange guy suddenly appeared to them and started speaking about God in a strange way. Nevertheless, the angel calms her down and says in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So Gabriel tells Mary, hey, you don't need to be afraid. This is a good visit. And then he drops on her this bomb of information. Now it was a good bomb, but it probably would have blown her young mind up. You see, one of the prophecies concerning the arrival of the Messiah that Jewish people would have been waiting to be fulfilled was this one found in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, which says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end, as he reigns on the throne of his father David, and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And so the angel tells Mary that she has been seemingly randomly chosen as the winner of this eternal cosmic lottery, and she will fulfill this prophecy by bringing the one Savior King of the world into birth, into being. And Mary has only one question at this time. Mary said to the angel in verse 34, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? Mary knows how babies are made. She knows that she has not done that thing that makes babies. She asks, How am I going to become pregnant with this child? Verse 35, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, and she has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, it's very important how the angel tells her this conception will take place. There will be no human father for this child. No, this miraculous conception will be the work of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. This is why we say every week in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. <clears throat> and the angel uses this very important biblical language. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, throughout the Bible, amazing things happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon people. We see this phrase in the Old Testament numerous times, how the Holy Spirit would come upon the heroes of old and they would do great feats for God. We see multiple times the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson and causing him to perform many mighty works of strength that would have been impossible apart from the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit came upon the other judges who delivered Israel from their captivity, their bondage to the foreign nations. The Holy Spirit came upon David and empowered him to kill the giant Goliath and then have much military victory as God established him as king. The Holy Spirit came upon Isaiah, Amiza, and many other prophets and judges of Israel as they spoke the word of God to the people of God. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan, the Holy Spirit came upon him in power, and he began to preach, teach, and heal, and do many mighty miracles. And Jesus said to his disciples, after he rose from the dead, but before he ascended into heaven, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And they prayed and they waited. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit did come upon those disciples. And they were transformed. Cowardly, blundering Peter becomes Peter the Apostle 
unafraid of any human being, performing signs and wonders on Jesus' behalf. And many of those whom the Holy Spirit came upon gave their lives telling others about Jesus, unafraid to die. And the Holy Spirit still comes upon everyday garden variety Christians like you and me. When we fully yield ourselves to Jesus' service and ask for the empowerment of the Spirit. And by Mary becoming supernaturally pregnant with the Spirit's power, God would also fulfill another prophecy about the Messiah, found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Gabriel shares with Mary the other great thing that has happened, which is that her elderly uh, relative Elizabeth is pregnant. And then he shares our third need-to-know piece of information this Christmas season. We need to know that Jesus is coming back soon. We need to know that we need to be ready. Third, we need to know this, that nothing will be impossible with God. When human beings like you and me step into partnership with the all-powerful, all-loving God who created the universe from nothing, when we step into partnership with God, we step into a realm where that which was previously impossible becomes absolutely possible. Jesus used similar language when he was speaking about the issue of how human beings can be saved and forgiven to begin with. One time a very moral young man of great wealth came to Jesus and asked him what he needed to do in order to have eternal life, that is to live beyond the grave. And Jesus noticed that the young man had an unhealthy attachment to all of his worldly possessions. So he told the young man, you need to sell those possessions, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. It says, when the man heard this, he was sad and went away sad because he couldn't leave his attachment to these things. Now, back in these days, if someone had wealth, others perceived that to be a sign of God's favor upon the person, as in they were so righteous that God had blessed them with wealth. And so uh, people thought, if this guy can't have eternal life, who can? And Jesus said in Luke 18, Truly I tell you, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? If not the wealthy, who can? And Jesus said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Very similar language to what Gabriel used. Now, prior to Jesus' coming, humanity had no hope of being moral enough to merit eternal life. Even the best of us have too many attachments to idols in this world. But when Jesus came, he lived a life free of sin and then died on the cross to pay for our sins, and then rose from the dead, proving to be the Son of God. 
so that through faith in him, any who repent can be forgiven of their sin, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, adopted into God's family, and live forever. What was impossible on our own is possible with God. It is now possible for human beings to overcome every unhealthy attachment and, yes, to live on forever. In Mark chapter 10, we read another story of how nothing is impossible with God. There was a man who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus. He said this demon had caused his son to be mute since he was a very small child, unable to speak. And this demon would often cause him to foam at the mouth and uh, get very stiff and rigid and contort and throw him into water to try to drown him and cause him to go into fire to try to burn him to death. And Jesus brought his son, uh, the man brought his son to Jesus and he said, if you can help, please have compassion on us. And Jesus said, if you can, like, do you know who you're talking to? And he said, all things are possible for the one who believes. Your son is in an impossible situation except for those who are united by faith with God through his son, Jesus. And then Jesus spoke directly to the demon, told him to leave the boy and never come back. The demon left, the boy was healed. He gave the boy back to his father and people marveled at the majesty of God. Apart from Jesus, people are enslaved to all kinds of addictions, behaviors, and attitudes which are utterly destroying them including demonic oppression and possession. But with God, freedom is now possible because all things are possible with God. I was reminded of a guy I heard speak at one of the overflow rooms at the Asbury Revival. And I told this story on Easter, but it's such a beautiful story and a perfect picture of what we're talking about. This guy had a big belly and long gray hair and a beard and he had only one tooth left in his head. It was hard to tell how old he was, somewhere between my age and dead. He had a lot of road miles on him, so you couldn't quite tell. He was wearing an old black t-shirt and a cap that said, Jesus saves. And the guy shared how for 30 years, he'd been a helpless drug addict. And then one day, he was in his bedroom, and he didn't have a lighter to light his drug pipe. So he used a match to light a candle on his nightstand and used the candle to light his pipe. And then he sat down on the floor and he fell asleep. Well, when he woke up, the candle had burned down and set his nightstand on fire and he was surrounded by flames. He thought he woke up in hell. After getting the fire out, he stayed on the ground for two days. He said, then and there, Jesus saved him and gave him a new life. And now he was devoting his life to helping other people who thought they were hopelessly stuck find new life in Jesus. Because as the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, and Mary said, well, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed. Let me give some closing thoughts on this what you need to know concept. 
Number one, since nothing will be impossible with God, we should believe everything that God says will happen. We should just really believe it. Not just hope, not just wish, but take it to the bank. You know, as we get older, holidays aren't as fun as they used to be. People that we care about aren't with us at the table. We miss them. We long for them. We may long to be with them. And it's sad. And we miss the former years. But what did Jesus say? Well, he said he's coming back soon. He said he's going to raise the dead. He says he's going to give us new bodies, which will not perish, spoil, or fade. And that we will live with him in a new heaven and a new earth with our loved ones who died believing in a place where there will be no more death or crying nor pain anymore. And if we die before he comes back, we go to be with him in paradise. This is not just a fleeting fancy or a great Christmas story. This is what God says. And since nothing is impossible with God, and he kept all of his ancient promises right on schedule, we can really believe that he will keep these. As it says in Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. And we can believe. This Christmas, if you're feeling sad, lonesome, spend some time really meditating and trying to imagine what it will look like when you walk with your loved ones in your new body, the things that you'll enjoy doing. It will be amazing, and it's right around the corner. This is going to happen. Number two, since nothing is impossible with God, we should become everything that God says we can be. You know, it says in Ephesians 3.20 that God, by his power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. You are created to become more like Jesus here and now and to serve God's purposes here and now. Maybe some addiction or some attitude or some habit has been holding you back. It's not too late. The Asbury guy was down to one tooth. And with his last tooth, he turned around and asked God for help. And God cleaned him up, gave him a fresh start and a noble purpose. Most of us have at least half our teeth left. It's not too late for us. With God, nothing is impossible, and you can actually become everything the Bible says you can become. So decide to do it. Believe. Become. Finally, since nothing will be impossible with God, we should be content living as God's servants. Mary is one of my heroes of the faith for the simple reason that when the angel appeared to her and told her that God had an assignment, she didn't ask a ton of questions. She just immediately said, I'm all in. I mean, she only asked one question before saying, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let your will and your word come to pass. And the angel departed. Just gave her that one piece of information she didn't ask, well, how is this going to affect my relationship with Joseph? We know that uh, in the beginning that didn't go well at all. He was going to divorce her. She didn't ask, well, are my parents going to think I got pregnant out of wedlock? She didn't ask, well, what if they throw me out of the village? What's going to happen? She trusted God with the details and surrendered herself to God's service. You know, many of us 
are so anxious about the future. And many of us are holding back, fully surrendering our lives to God because we don't know how it's going to affect our relationships, what He might ask us to do. And Mary gives us a great example. What we need to do is be content to just surrender because nothing will be impossible with God. And He will use us in ways beyond what we could comprehend. But He'll never give us His full plan ahead of time. He just asks, I've got a plan for you. Are you available? And our job is to say yes, surrender ourselves, and leave ourselves in His hands. Let's pray. God, I thank you for all that you've given us in your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to believe, to believe that you are who you say you are, to do what you are calling us to do, to be who you're calling us to be, and to be content just serving you. God, I pray that you will reach into all of our hearts and do a mighty work within us. Lord, come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us as we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us declare together what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.